Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. The Women's Football Podcast is back and this week I am joined by Her Football Hub's Jay Lewis. How's things, Jay? Happy to be on. Thanks for having me. No worries. And we are joined by Alejandro Diago. How are things? Hi, Angelina. Everything good? How are you doing? Yes, all good here. So, first up, I thought that we would talk about the FA Cup. The current holders, Manchester City, are out of the competition. I mean... Things are just going from bad to worse, it seems. They bowed out of the competition. They lost 3-0 to Chelsea. It's been tough for the Manchester team. They have had, you know, this injury crisis. They only actually named five substitutes compared to the nine that Chelsea named. Jay, any surprises with the results, considering how much City have been struggling, or did you not have much hope going into it? I predicted Chelsea to win 4-1. Okay. Naturally, it's Chelsea. They yeah. score against anyone bar Barcelona, but like it was always going to be a pretty standard game for Chelsea. All of their play- most of their players were fit. This City team is not. This isn't the real City team, so it's kind. Of, it's like a City B team, so it's like they're never going to fare well against Chelsea. However, they had chances; they just didn't take them. Like that, Chelsea don't look the strongest defensively, and Lauren Hemp was causing problems. So it's like. Had they had all their players, I think it would have been a different story. But no, simple Chelsea win. Yeah, I think that's kind of what everybody's been saying about this season so far. Like, had everyone have been fit, etc., it maybe would have been a different story. I mean, Alejandro, for City, you know, injuries or no injuries, because they have been struggling, you know, in the league, obviously your team, Real Madrid, denied them European football. Do you think really that this... Um, this game against Chelsea in the FA Cup, it should have been a must-win. Uh, really, I don't think so, because if you see, Chelsea is one step ahead of most of the women's Super League teams, and it was quite expected that they were the ones who were going to Wembley if you watch the game. But I think the problem of this city is something we have seen a few times during this season, is the lack of attitude, really. This city, they don't, they don't know how to execute a plan B if the things they are they are not going well, and they are paying it during key moments of the season. We saw it against Real Madrid in the second leg of the of the, of the Women's Champions League qualifiers, and we saw it now against the FA Cup because Chelsea started uh, follow their plan, but uh, Manchester Manchester City they were not able to uh, re, 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 remake the route to to at least to compete on the game. Yeah, exactly. I guess had they have found the back of the net once, you know, even twice, I guess you it's it's kind of a different story. But when you look at that scoreline and the fact that, you know, like you said, Jay, you know, they did have chances. Um, it is, a, you know, a, a little bit frustrating. Um, but of course, meeting Chelsea in the final is Arsenal. They also won 3-0 against Brighton. Jay, Beth Mead scored one goal and created two others. Are you enjoying watching her play this season? Yeah, it's, this has been this is the Beth Mead that everyone wants to see at Arsenal. It is a Beth Mead that produces because I think the issue with Beth Mead before this season was just kind of the consistency because mm. she's always been a great player, but it's just sometimes it didn't show in the goals and assists, and that is a huge part of any team. You need the goals and assists from your wingers, and the fact that she didn't get picked for the Olympic squad, she's just come back and she's given everyone the reason why she should be in every England team moving forward. So it's 
it's a joy to see. I hope she keeps it up. But it's like there's a long season left, but like how she started it hasn't been insane. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, that is a real testament to her character that she didn't get picked for that team. And, you know, like you say, she has come back, you know, with a bit of a vengeance, really. Just like, yeah, you know what? You This is what you missed out on, guys. This is what you could have had. Um, and you know what? I, I rate that. And, you know, seeing this kind of improvement in Mead, you know, there's been a lot of talk about this Arsenal team in general, you know, how they've changed and transitioned into life with a new manager, you know, pretty seamlessly. Jay, do you think that it's just the impact of the new manager um, or something else that has maybe helped this Arsenal team really show us how talented they are so far this season? I think it's. I think there's there's a lot that goes into it. I think a big chunk of it is luck because mm. City have just fallen out this season. True. Like it's all it's all of a sudden become a two horse race between Arsenal and Chelsea because City just haven't been City. Um, we've upgraded on players that have left. I think. Freedom Manham is like an upgrade on Jill Rod for what she can bring to the team. Mm. So, and Tobin Heath. It's, it's, it's easy to forget her because it's like she kind of just came in very slyly. Yeah. But Tobin Heath's there. What Joe has done has made this Arsenal team hardworking. I think now it's not a team that is just about nice play. It's about constant pressing. It's about trying to get in the face of teams. And that helps a lot. Like sometimes, especially that Aston Villa game where we won 4-0. The first half, we probably would have drawn or lost that under Joe. But with Jonas, we have that kind of never say, never attitude. And we can give we can give the small teams just as much problems as we give the big teams. So I think that is the biggest thing, just making Arsenal tougher. Yeah, I'd probably agree with you on that one. I think you can definitely see it, um, you know, in, in the results that they're getting. Um and it, it's great to see them heading to the final and, and facing Chelsea. Now, of course, you know, it, it was Brighton that, that they beat. Um, Alejandro, do you think for Brighton, there are maybe still some positives that they can take away? Because at times they did, you know, have some spells where they were stifling the team, making things a little bit more difficult for them. Uh, really, for sure, Brighton needs to focus this year on making a good campaign in the Super League. But for example, achieving things like, like the, the one that they have done in the FA Cup, it's a boost for them. Uh, they faced one Arsenal that this year is a contender for every title they are fighting. Mm. And the result it was expected because really when you face Arsenal, you can try to compete, you can try to fight, but the reality can can pass you, pass you through and you can stop it. But... Uh, even through the result, that doesn't need to erase what a good uh, women's FA Cup Brighton has made. Yeah, definitely. They should walk away, um, you know, taking away those positives, like I say, because at the end of the day, there is no no shame in losing, you know, to a team like this Arsenal team at the end of the day. For, for sure, really, if, if you give all what you have, if you give 200%, if you empty yourself on the pits, there is no complaint. That is the philosophy that Brighton was following, and that is the, the correct philosophy in sport. Most definitely. Um, and, you know, looking at this final, it's going to be a fierce competition, two very fierce rivals in early December. You know, get it in your calendars, because this is going to be a massive, massive game. Alejandro, do you think that although Arsenal have not won the competition since 2016, the fact that they have still won it a record 14 times, you know, this is their competition. That's got to give them a little bit of confidence or a bit of an edge, do you think? 
To be honest, I see it more 50-50 than, okay. than with Arsenal as the favorite, really. Chelsea is a super team. We cannot discuss that. And they can win everything, and they have tremendous uh, uh, members in their squad. But Arsenal, they have shown that they are a team that competes, fights until the last minute, and their squad is also plenty of excellent names. So I think there won't be any edges for any of the teams, and this final is going so cool to see. It really will. I mean, Jay, as an Arsenal fan, how do you see this game going down, dare I ask? <laughs> uh, it's going to come. The thing is, both teams have incredible attacks, but not so, not so great defences. I think the game will be one in which defence makes the most mistakes. Because Arsenal, last time we faced Chelsea, it was a case of both teams were giving goals they didn't need to concede. So I think the final's just going to be more about who's going to be able to just have no mistakes and they will be the winner. I think Arsenal will win because I believe that Jonas has Emma Hayes' number. That is a hot take, but I believe Jonas has Emma Hayes' number. Okay. And I feel he knows how to set up the team. I guess he's already proven it once, so... Yeah, so... And Tobin Heath will be there this time. Of course. Yeah. Thanks for rubbing that one in, you know. (laughs) with me as a Man United fan yeah I know she's playing in a different red this season great I'm so happy for you Um, but yeah no you you do make a good point um you know I think maybe that win in this in the Super League will give will give Arsenal a little bit of a boost because it's that kind of mentality of you know we've beat them once we can beat them again um but obviously you know it is different because it is on such a big scale Alejandro, how exciting is it to know that this game, you know, is going to be played at Wembley in front of fans? This game, this game is going to be what is expected from from a FA Cup final. It's going to be the party of English football, the big party with all the fans. They are going to meet up in Wembley and celebrate the title. Really, making Wembley as the venue of the women's FA Cup final means only good things, not only for women's football because it also helps to develop grassroots and women's football in the lowest in the lowest levels, but also for the players and for the fans because come on, the players they're they're gonna experience they are gonna experience the feeling of playing in Wembley on a final in front of your fans. That's wonderful to see and that's a feeling a player will or will love to experiment once in a lifetime. Yeah, definitely. It's such such a huge moment for those players. And yeah, I can't wait to see what happens. But, you know, they have still got some important games be- before that. You know, December is a bit of a way off yet, about a month. Um, but, you know, both teams will feature in Europe next week. Um, and just a disclaimer, there is no women's football podcast next week because I'm on holiday. Um, but I just thought that we'd touch a little bit on Europe because next week, next week Chelsea will play Servette, Arsenal will play Koj. I'm going with Koj as the pronunciation. Um, start with you, Jay. Can you see either of these teams causing Chelsea or Arsenal any problems? Um, you know, or will it just be a, a pretty much a walk in the park? Uh, I don't see Savet causing Chelsea any problems, but I am kind of nervous about Coach because it's been a bit weird. They've given Hoffenheim problems, and then Hoffen- we beat Hoffenheim, so it's like you don't really know what to expect mm. from these European teams. But we have the depth, so I believe that Arsenal should get the three points, but I don't think it will just be plain sailing. 
Yeah. What about you, Alejandro? Because, you know, looking at the tables, if they get these wins, it will be three important points for Chelsea and for Arsenal. Totally, really. Even though Servet and Koge, they have set in trouble other rivals in the Champions League, I don't know if they can afford to put into trouble to, to be contenders as they are Arsenal and Chelsea. And, and really, we are talking about two of the best squads in Europe nowadays, so I think that they will they will not have any trouble to get the points against these teams. Yeah, I think it will definitely um, be interesting, you know, looking at the tables, um, all the tables in the Champions League, um, you know, some are maybe a little bit simpler than others. Some of them, I think, especially the, you know, the group that, that Chelsea are in, you know, one slip up, who knows what could change um, for any of the teams, really. Um, but yeah, looking forward to those Champions League fixtures. Now, elsewhere... Just thought we'd talk about one last bit of news in women's football in England. Everton have hired themselves a new manager. So, Willie Kirk was relieved of his duties in mid-October. They have officially brought in a replacement in former Leon boss, Jean-Luc Vasseur. Um, Jay, what do you think of this appointment? I don't, I don't think it's a great appointment. Okay. Because I do not trust the person that could not win that Leon team. The Champions League, and they didn't want they didn't win the Division One feminine. If you can't do that with that Leon team, I don't see how you're going to come into a young and up and coming Everton team and push them to where they need to be. Because Everton have invested quite a bit, so it's not enough to just finish eighth or ninth. You need to be knocking on third and fourth door, and I can't see him doing that with limited resources than what you'd have at Leon. So I think. It sounds like a fancy signing, but I'm not. He's gonna have to win me over. Okay, fair enough. I mean, he he did win. I mean, I I know last season wasn't great, but the season before, you know, he he did win. What was it? Four trophies in the 2019-20 campaign, or at least three. They won the treble. Is that not not good enough for for you, Jay? <laughs> but the thing is, it, you're only as good as your last season. Okay. So that season was great, but it's like you've you've come down instead okay. of continuing the great form. So okay. hopefully you can turn it around. Fair, but... fair enough. I mean, UEFA Women's Coach of the Year. Um, you may have been, uh, Mr. Vasseur, but you are you're not good enough for us here at One Football. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just playing. Um, but I mean. Alejandro, looking at the signings that Everton made over the summer and their, you know, alleged aspirations, do you think that this manager is at least a better fit? Because this is still a manager, you know, maybe, you know, last season wasn't great, fair enough. But this is still a manager that has been able to win, you know, big trophies, had big moments, etc. Yeah, definitely. Really, I want to see it in a more optimistic way than James. And I think that... Uh, I think that Jean-Luc Basser, it's a manager that I think they, he can boost uh, Everton up to be, uh, to be one of the dark horses of the Women's Super League, really. He's a coach that has shown that he can do good things with the teams. OK, last season, didn't, the things didn't go well because um, they did, uh, sometimes they can fail. And also they were, they were having one, maybe the best FC Barcelona in all history. And I don't know if they... If, if, if they arrived to face them in the final, I don't know if Lyon were able to defeat uh, FC Barcelona. But even, uh, even though all, all of this, I think uh, under Basel, the Toffees can make a good second, second half of the season. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, without sounding rude, it can't get much worse, surely. Um, so, yeah. you know, especially when you consider, like I say, the names that they've they've brought in, um, surely, you know, it's only going to be positive now, I hope. Um, but yeah, I mean, we'll leave the UK for now. We'll head over to Spain. The league continued over the weekend with some big wins and you guessed it, Barcelona won again. They beat Real Sociedad 8-1. Jay, looking at the table, Real Sociedad were arguably their closest rivals, if you can call it that, um, you know, because they were, you know, second in the table um, up there. But does the fact that Barcelona just beat them 8-1 really show us that there are no rivals, not even not even a 1% kind of rival, you know, for this team? Yeah, I don't. I don't think there's anyone that can really talk to Barcelona right now. Mm. <laughs> I yeah, feel you can. You can send any team from any league. You can try the WSL, which is supposed to be the best. And like Barcelona will send them backpacking. It's yeah. like they're just they're just the team of all teams right now. I think maybe Leon. Hopefully, who knows? Like I think that's the only team I could really try and call up and say, please try and stop them. <laughs> please try yeah, and stop them. You know, they're in a world of their own. Yeah, they're in a world of their own. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, meanwhile, Real Madrid, they are back creeping up the table. They got a win over Valencia and on the score sheet, drum roll, was Esther Gonzalez. Alejandro, how happy are you to see her score two goals? Was it one goal? So happy. Yeah, one goal so or two happy, goals? Really. I can't remember. I think it was only, I think it was one goal. It was only, one goal. Really. Sorry, uh, ignore me. Yeah. Yes. Just watching Real uh, Estelle Gonzalez score with Real Madrid, it makes all the Real Madrid fans happy, really. Real Madrid needs the best version of Estelle Gonzalez, uh, and Estelle Gonzalez needs, needs, needs also to have a good season in Real Madrid because they both have a good thing that really. Uh, Real Madrid wants, if, they, if Real Madrid wants to have bigger aspirations this year, the goals of Estelle Gonzalez, they, they, they will be a key part of, of this goal. And also, if Esther Gonzalez wants to be in a good shape, she must score goals and show that she's able to be on a good level, on a top level, on a year where the year is on the horizon. So finally, it will be a win-win for both uh, Real Madrid having a top striker and Esther Gonzalez performing very good in a very important year. Yeah, that's right. I mean, when you look at that, um, you know, we'll talk about the, the national teams a little bit later in the podcast, but when you look at, you know, Spain's national team and the players that they have going forward, you know, it, it is extremely competitive and you make a good point there that, you know, she has to, you know, she's got to perform this season. Do you feel like, Alejandro, now that, you know, maybe we've watched the warm-up of Real Madrid, you know, there was a little bit of a struggle at the beginning, but, you know, we're doing well in Europe, starting to get the wins in the league. Do you think that we're now going to start seeing the talent of this Real Madrid team, the talent that we saw last season that got them, you know, in that top position in the in the league? Yeah, we are starting to see, to see the talent in Real Madrid because this Real Madrid is starting to be what we expected at the beginning of yeah. the season, really. And that's because of one thing that it was it was becoming into a big a big trouble in the first in the in the beginning of the of the competitions. Also, and that means the physical condition of Real Madrid players is starting to fit on them on a good way. Uh, we we need to take into account that this year all Real Madrid teams, including men and women, have changed completely the preparation of the of the physical condition because of uh, Antonio Pintus. The, the physical trainer that 
he was uh, on Real Madrid a few years ago. He's he's back now on Real Madrid and has assumed the head of a, a physical condition of all the teams of Real Madrid, including men, women, and academy. And that means also that the players they have paid an extra toll of injuries and, for example, not being as fit as they were expected and getting used to the new methods uh, because they were they were under the under the assistance under the guidances of a top conditioner and, and a top physical training as it is Antonio Pintus, but with a very good uh, physical condition as as real players, I'm sure they will get up uh, soon. This will be key for the second half of the season to see a Real Madrid that can be uh, uh, dominant and can be important in the competitions uh, until the end of the season. That's a nice bit of information there because I didn't know that. That's very interesting that perhaps, you know, the new kind of regime that they're under may have had a little bit of an effect and things like that. That's very yeah. Interesting. Let, let me let, let me make clear that the Real Madrid woman has uh, Antonio Pintus is the uh, is the is the head of physical conditioner for all the teams of Real Madrid. But Real Madrid woman has his own physical trainers that they 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 train under the guidances and and tips from Antonio Pintus. Okay, that's that's good to know. Thank you for sharing that. Um, so yeah, maybe uh, I'm hoping that we do start to see. Um, the Real Madrid that we saw last season, but even better because the team has been enhanced since then. Elsewhere, of course, there is Atletico Madrid. They got a 3-0 win. The week before, they grew, they drew against Granadilla Tenerife and they had previously, of course, lost to Barcelona. We saw Levante draw with Sporting Huelva. They also actually lost to Granadilla Tenerife. Jay, do you feel like because excluding Barcelona, because we know that they're going to win the league, let's be honest. I'm sorry, Alejandro, but, you know, I think we have to accept. <laughs> um, you know, we are seeing teams like Atletico Madrid, Levante, Real Madrid. They're losing or drawing games that perhaps you would normally expect them to win. Does this mean that um, regarding those final two Champions League spots, we will at least see, you know, maybe more of a competitive league, you know, for the neutrals watching... You know, we know that Barcelona is going to win it, but at least for those two Champions League spots, we could actually see a bit of a battle here. Yeah, hundred percent. I think it's it's a very competitive league once you look ignore Barcelona. Yeah, I rule think, them out. <laughs> yeah, I think it's just it's kind of like the WSL in a way where you knew Chelsea or City would win, but everywhere else people were fighting. I think yeah. that's the exact same thing in the Spanish division. I think everyone's taking points off each other bar Barcelona so it's like I think that's the beauty of that league it's like and then when they're playing in the Champions League like how Real Madrid knocked out Man City it shows yeah we could lose we can lose to a different team but we can also face bigger teams and beat them so it's like I think there could be there could be a new team that will get into the Champions League this season so yeah I mean Alejandro it's very early in the season but do you have an idea of which two teams you think will join Barcelona in the Champions League spots? I'll say Real Madrid and Atletico Madrid in that order. Mark okay. my words. Okay, Mark, we are marking <laughs> your words. I'm making a mental note of this. I, I know that, that really competing with Barcelona now is something impossible. But, but competing for, for the Champions League, 
you're there. You you know, you can get back you can get back to that position where you're competing for that. Yeah, competing for the Champions League, that's another difference because come on, Champions League and Real Madrid they go together, no matter gender, <laughs> no matter is the history they exactly. are Exactly. They are made for each other. I I like that. I love that idea. Um, of course, talking of the Champions League, Real Madrid have got a very big mountain to climb as they face PSG. This will arguably be their biggest test in the competition so far. Jay, without upsetting Alejandro, how do you think this game will go? Be kind. <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't know. It'll be interesting, won't it? Yeah, I think it'll be interesting. I think it's amazing how much young talent there is. You've got... Caroline Hansen, you've got Sammy Baltimore, you've got Toto, you've got Jordan Heitema. So I think that's going to be a game to just celebrate those young talents. I think PSG will edge it, but I think it's going to be a great game to watch. And I'm I'm expecting a lot of goals. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited for this one. Alejandro, what are your thoughts ahead of the game? And do you think that whatever the outcome of the game, this will help Real Madrid to determine what level they are at compared to, you know, some of the other big names in Europe? Uh, totally, really. The competition that worries the most for Real Madrid nowadays is the Champions League. And games like the one they will have, where they will have PSG in front of them, is the stage where they want to start writing their own history. And okay, maybe the PSG is the favorite because they have more history, they have more experience in women's football. But big nights are the nights where Real Madrid rise and shine. So I wouldn't discard anything. And I hope a wonderful game and Real Madrid showing up their own legend in the Champions League. Yeah, I mean, this is, you know, these are the kind of games that we want to see. And this is why it's great to have, you know, a team like Real Madrid in, in the competition, definitely. And meanwhile, you know, Barcelona will face Hoffenheim. Jay, business as usual for Barcelona, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we do, we don't really need to go into it, but yeah. I think when it comes to the Champions League, just wake Barcelona up when it's the final. Yeah, they're like, listen, not, yeah. It's not disrespect to anyone, but it's just that Barcelona team, you're not really going to see them truly tested until it's the final. Yeah, I get, I get what you're saying, definitely. And of course, we're going to head over to Italy now. And Sassuolo suffered their first defeat of the season. They lost to Roma. Alejandro, I have... So I've tried to be really positive about the Serie A and I've been thinking, you know, maybe there'll be a little bit more competition for Juventus. Most people have kind of said to me, Angelina, be realistic, there's not going to be. And with Sassuolo, you know, undefeated until the weekend, I was feeling quite positive that maybe there will be more competition. But do you think that now we're settled into the season, maybe this is the moment when we're going to see Juventus continue to climb up the table as other teams perhaps start to show maybe their true colours? Yeah, probably, really. Juve's start of season has been a bit weird for, and many of us were asking what was happening to Becky Signora, but now time is setting everything up to normal, and we are watching Juve as we expected. Being the team of reference in Italy and the top candidate to, to leave the Scudetto at the, at the end of the year. Yeah, they they definitely are. And, you know, looking at um, the Sassuolo game against Roma, you know, for for Roma, this is a, a big win. You know, they started the season uh, winning three straight matches. But then suddenly Roma, you know, they were struggling. They were dropping points um, in three games in a row, you know, defeats to Juventus, into Milan, draw with AC Milan. Jay, do you think that this 
upset um, over top of the table, Sassuolo could maybe put Roma, you know, back on the right foot, perhaps. Yeah, I think so. I think sometimes when you beat top of the table or even second in the table, it just kind of shows your level that you're at and that you can kick it with the top. And if you feel that you can compete with the top, then it's just going to boost morale. It's going to send throughout the team. So I think you have to watch out for Roma now because now they've kind of got that bit in between their teeth and hopefully they can keep rising. Yes, and of course, their manager, Alessandro Spugna, has only been in charge, you know, since earlier this year. And sometimes, you know, does, I think it's tough because he does seem to get a lot of comparisons to Betty Bavaganoli, who was the only manager in the club's short history, you know, and she has been celebrated for establishing, you know, this culture of respect, of course, the success that she had, Um so, Alejandro, with this in mind, do you think that the pressure is maybe now on for Roma and their manager because you know they've got this, you've got they've got this win. They now need to continue with this good form. Uh, probably, really, Roma is now on a transformation year, and the new manager needs to set up the needs and know better the team. The pressure is normal in these kinds of benches as Roma because we are talking about one of the biggest teams in Italy and. And let's see how the season develops and how the season evolves this year. Uh, last year, we saw that lifting the Coppa Italia, it was a, a huge success for mm. Gero Rossi. But the, the season needs, this new season needs new challenges. And I think uh, Spunia needs to know about that and focus that, okay, what Roma won before, it was very good. But now we need to, we need to try to make Rome, Roma bigger. Yeah, they've got to kind of continue that and keep building, definitely. And, um, you know, one team that seems to be, you know, trying to build something is, of course, Inter Milan. They've got a very good manager now, but they did lose to Juventus. However, they have won four games so far this season. And last season, Inter Milan only won seven overall. So I feel like already, you know, things are things are looking good. I think they're going to surpass that seven. Jay, do you think that overall, you know, there have been some improvements in this side? Yeah, definitely. I think Inter Milan are looking better this season, but I feel they just need to stop yo-yoing because I think yeah. it shows in their goal difference. I think they've got 10 goals for, eight goals against. It's like they'll beat a team 3-0 or lose to a team 4-1. It's like they need to find a way to kind of keep the goals down and keep scoring the goals. Otherwise, it's just going to be like one step forward, one step back. Yeah, that's so true. That's that's the thing with those kinds of situations. Yeah, that. That is a really good point. Um, and yeah, hopefully they'll be able to kind of overcome that. But, um, you know, there's there's no shame in losing to Juventus, you know, a, an extremely phenomenal team. And of course, they have Barbara Bonancea. She scored in her 100th Juventus appearance. Absolutely amazing. This woman is fantastic. Alejandro, how important is she to this Juventus team? Of course, she signed an extension until the summer of 2022. Do you think that maybe we could see her moving across Europe at the end of the season? I just thought I'd give you a moment to have some an appreciation moment for, for the player. Really, we are talking about maybe one of the top players in Italy. Uh, Italy's national um, and maybe I'll say, I will say to the level, for example, like other big Italian names like uh, Rita Guarino or maybe other other Italian important players. So uh, Barbara Bonancea means everything for Juventus. And 
I don't know if they she will end up moving out, out out of Juventus at the end of the season, but I'm sure that she will be she is very well considered for from many teams in in all around Europe because we are talking about one player that makes the rest of the team better. Exactly, her presence is absolutely undeniable, and I guess you know. Maybe for her, a lot of it will depend on the Champions League. Of course, last season, Juventus, you know, were not at their best. This season, you know, we are seeing such a vast improvement in Europe. And I guess, you know, if they manage to get themselves, you know, to a semi-final, um, maybe a final, who knows? I'm, although I don't want to be too much of a hater, but a little bit sceptical about that. But, you know, maybe, you know, a quarterfinal, a semi-final, maybe that will give her the incentive to want to stay. But, you know, if you've got certain teams that come knocking, I guess it is hard to uh, hard to ignore. Um, you know, especially when you if you get an opportunity and you think, when am I going to get this again? You know, it is hard. Um, but you know, Juventus talking about you know their form in Europe. They've got a big game next week as they face Wolfsburg. Alejandro, do you think that this will be a test for both teams? Because you know, Wolfsburg are at the top of their group table and they will want to keep this lead over Chelsea. But Juventus, you know, they're desperate to get out of that third spot and get back into the qualification positions. Uh, for sure, really. We yeah, we saw that they gave a very good performance last game against Chelsea, even though they lost against them, but losing against Chelsea is the most normal thing a, a team can can expect this season yeah. because <laughs> they are of the, of the biggest teams in Europe nowadays. And also Wolfsburg is performing very well in Champions League. We saw that they even tied with Chelsea on the opening game. So that was one of the unexpected results and one of the biggest surprises of the of the competition. And I think this is going to be a very a wonderful game to see. And to be honest, I don't have a clear favorite, mostly because both teams are in a good shape in their domestic leagues and you don't know what to expect of them in the Champions League that can happen everything. Exactly. That's the best thing about the Champions League. You know, anything anything can happen sometimes unless of course you're Chelsea or uh, or Barcelona. Although Chelsea, you know, they it's not been playing selling for them. But yeah, I guess unless you're Barcelona Anything can happen in the Champions League, <laughs> definitely. Well, I thought we'd switch gears now and talk a little bit about Euro 2022 because, you know, although it's only, you know, November of 2021, before we know it, the competition will be here. And of course, last week, the groups for the competition were announced. So I thought that we'd, you know, kind of run through them quickly, you know, share our thoughts, etc. So first up, we have got Group A that has England, Austria, Norway and Northern Ireland. Island. For England, I guess um, there will be a few similar faces because they face Norway at the 2015 and 2019 World Cups. Of course, Northern Ireland, who are also in their World Cup qualifying group. Um, and that will ensure to be a game, you know, for the two UK nations. That's going to be a big, big game, of course, with the tournament being held in England as well. Um I guess for for England fans, you know, myself included, I, I guess feeling a little bit relieved because the draw could have been much worse um, on paper because, of course, England have managed to avoid Spain, um, Sweden. But, you know, there are still some great uh, names in this group because they will be facing, you know, Barcelona's Caroline uh, Graham Hansen, which is not going to be easy. Jay, as much as fans might be feeling a little bit relieved, it's still not going to be, you know, plain sailing for England, right? I don't know. I think I feel. Or like do you think English... it could be? I I think it I think it could be. Okay. I think, 
if there's any time to be confident, it's when it's in your backyard. True. In 1966, the men won the World Cup. It was in England. I think Euro 2022, it's going to be in England. I think there's no point saying Frank Kirby's world-class, these players are world-class and not believing in them. I think you should go and think England can go very far. There is no America. There is Netherlands, (laughs) there is Spain, but there's no America. No America, no Canada. Yeah, 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 so you have teams, they're playing, they're in incredible form. This England team has great players, providing Jordan Nobbs goes. I think that's a very, I'm putting a lot on this. If Jordan Nobbs goes with this England team, I think England can go all the way. I think she's very dependent on her. She has to go. Kirby has to go. And we get the right goalkeeper. I think it's really important to get the right goalkeeper. But I have no shame in saying I believe England will win it all. You know what? I kind of welcome that. I guess when it comes to talking about national teams, it's very rare that I can feel extremely optimistic and I don't like to get too ahead of myself. And I say this every single time that there is a major competition that England are in. I'm not going to get ahead of myself and I will probably play it down and play it down. And then there'll be, you know, two group stage games that will win. And I will literally be like, yeah, we're winning it. Because that's what I did at the men's Euros and I got my heart broke. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it again, to be honest. But I will try. (laughs) At the end of the day, you know, you you could argue that this team is is more talented. I'll put that out there than the men's team. Um, But of course, also in the group, Austria had an impressive run. You know, they managed to get to the semi-finals in 2017 of the competition. They were kind of dubbed the underdogs. Alejandro, are they the underdogs this time around, maybe in this group? I think so, really. Even though they went into the same finals in 2017, four, uh, four, uh, four years ago, please don't remember me, Spain's awful performance on that game. Because We're not talking really, about it. I want to, I, I, I want, I want to, I want to erase it from my mind. <laughs> I think from that moment, the situation didn't change so much for the Austrian team. They didn't manage to qualify for the Women's World Cup four years ago, but even though they have strengthened the spine of the team, on the other hand. Uh, they are sharing a group with England and Norway that makes them one of the Cinderella's of the competition. We know sometimes these teams, they don't have many chances, but sometimes Cinderella doesn't leave the dance at midnight. So let's see what happened with this <laughs> Austria. Yeah, you never know. Um, Joe, which two teams do you think will progress? I think it's going to be pretty standard. England and Norway, I think. I'd probably agree. What about you, Ali? Uh, same, England and Norway, really. I think Austria can put into trouble to all the teams, but at the end of the 90 minutes, the individual quality marks the difference in the Euro, and in the, in that point, England and Norway, they are the two teams that they have most individual quality in their, in their teams. Yeah, I, I would agree, definitely. And moving on to Group B now, it's already been dubbed the Group of Death as it includes Germany, Denmark, Spain, Finland. Um, So glad I don't have a nation in that group, um, to be honest. But of course, Alejandro does, but we'll be talking about that. But I don't think that you should be feeling worried about this group, looking at that Spain team. But of course, Germany is in the group. They've had this weird kind of stranglehold on the Euros. They've won it six times in a row up until 2017 when they were knocked out in that shock defeat against Denmark. Um, you know, four years ago in the quarterfinals. But yeah, this is kind of Germany's competition. And Jay, seeing that Germany will be facing Denmark in this group, they're going to be, you know, out for blood. I mean, not actual blood, obviously, but, you know, they're <laughs> going to be desperate for revenge, put it that way. 
Yeah, I'll be worried. I'll be worried for Denmark. I think the amount of talent that Germany are bringing. I think obviously no one ever forgets if someone knocks you out. Someone you does you dirty, you never forget yeah. that. No, they've got them on the dartboard. So when they actually get to face them, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting for Denmark. <laughs> It will be. Um, now, Alejandro, like I said, you know, it's it's the group of death, but how are you feeling? Because I'm feeling very excited for Spain. Do you think that Spain are the dark horses of this competition, considering, you know, the majority of this team, um, you know, are Barcelona players? Uh, are they only the dark horse? I mean, only the dark horse? Horse. I mean, are they not? No, no, maybe let's, they're let's, more let's, than let's, that. Maybe they're not just the dark. Maybe they're the main horses. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's so. Let's talk honestly. Really, Spain is one of the favorites and one of the contenders to leave the title in Wembley. Okay, there is Germany and Denmark, two very good teams in the same group. I don't discuss this, and it's going to be difficult. But uh, this time, I think the ones they should fear Spain, and not the opposite, should be Germany and Denmark because I see it. I see Spain at least with the same quality as as Germany and Denmark, yeah. or even or even higher. Yeah, no, I, I I to be honest, I I kind of agree with you on that one. Um, I think when you look, like I say, when you look at the quality of that Spain team, yeah. um, they have to be. I mean, looking at that Spain team, they have to be getting to what? What would you say? What a minimum of a semi final? Mm. Yeah, at least semi-finals, I think. Yeah, I th- I think if anything less than that, Spain, looking at that Spain team, has you talent. Spain has talent to arrive to the semi-finals at least. Yeah. Whatever it comes up, up from that that part is more 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 of a lottery. But at least semi-finals is the is the main goal for this Spanish national team. I like this. Um, I, I like that we're setting our standards high for, for Spain and England at this point. Um, let's keep it going. Um, I mean, Jay, do you think, unfortunately, Finland will maybe, I don't know, kind of slip under, you know, under the radar here, maybe into that underdog category or maybe not even a, an underdog, just kind of there for the ride? Yeah, with them, it's kind of like every single game will be a final to them. Yeah. I think there's just, yeah, when you're in a group of death, it's like, oh, there's always going to be someone that's got to be the lamb. And sadly, oh. they, they are the lambs. So they are the lambs, rough, aren't they? Oh. They will get caught eventually. Yeah. Alejandro, which two teams are progressing here? Uh, so Spain and Germany, really. And I'll say this too because the young talent they have, it's not in any of the teams of the competition, in any of the 16 teams. They don't have such a concentration of young talent and young uh, stars as Spain and Germany. What about you, Jay? Yeah, I, I completely agree. It's going to be weird seeing someone's caliber of Vanilla Hard not like being in the top two. But mm. I think like it's a, this is the beauty about international competitions. It's a team thing. Like yeah. you can have one of the best in the world, but if their team isn't as strong together, then you just won't progress. Exactly. Um, yeah, that's that's so true. When you look at um, some of the the stars in football, um, you know, in men's and women's football, that you know, with their national teams, unfortunately, you know, can't achieve the same things that they can individually. That is true. Um, 
yeah, it will be a shame uh, to see Harden not kind of progress in the tournament, but that's just unfortunately the way things are. She's got enough anyway. She's doing well enough with Chelsea, so she's she's got that. Um, now, in Group C, we have the Netherlands, Sweden, Russia, and Switzerland. Alejandro, what do you think about the Netherlands' realistic chances of defending their title under new manager Mark Parsons? To be honest, I see it very difficult that they are going to uh, make a back-to-back. Yeah. Uh, okay, they have very good players and they are the actual title holders. That's true. But the thing, apart of the, it surprised me a little that they didn't name a Dutch coach from the uh, Dutch Federation to manage the new project of, uh, of the Dutch women's national football team. I don't see this team as favorite as they were other years, for example, in the last Euro or even in the last World Cup that they I, I saw they were they were the alternative to the to the USA. I don't see it doesn't this does it this team doesn't give me that feeling of being the alternative or the 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 a team that can do the back to back. Yeah, I I would have to agree, and I think especially. We spoke about it on the podcast a few weeks ago, you know, having a manager that is still actually in another job at the moment um, and kind of traveling and, and stuff like that. It's, I don't know, it doesn't really bode, bode too well for me. Yeah, yeah, of course. And also it's, it's, it's a manager that, okay, I don't know, I, I don't know if he can, uh, may, maybe he will follow the the Dutch national team and all the stuff. But I was I was surprised because I thought that, a federation like the Dutch Federation, like the Netherlands Federation, they will they will go for a manager that uh, knows how to manage the how how the things are done in the federations, how the things mm. they were done. For example, like like they did with Sarina Bigman, because when Sarina Bigman arrived to the to the Dutch national team, she knew a lot about the background of the feder- of the federation. She knew a lot of how the the national team was working. And it, it was quite surprising that they named Mark Parsons. Yeah, I, I agree. how the adventure goes. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Looking at Sweden, Jay, do you think that the silver medal at the Olympics might give them a nice boost going into this competition? Yeah, I think it should. I think it shows them how close they are to getting to the pinnacle. So I think they will be, I think they'll be determined to really prove what they're on when they face the Netherlands. Mm. And then that will kind of show us where Sweden's heads at. Yeah. Looking at Switzerland and, and Russia, although many will be expecting, you know, the Netherlands and Sweden to progress. Alejandro, for these two nations, this is still a great opportunity, isn't it? You know, to be in this competition. Um, and do you think that either could maybe cause an upset? You know, maybe if the Netherlands, we're not seeing the strongest Netherlands side, you know, maybe Switzerland or Russia could upset them or not really? That's a bit more difficult, but really, I think that having Switzerland and Russia and that they, it's, a, it's, a, it's a wonderful opportunity for them because... And we are talking that they are now between the top 16 teams in Europe. And that means always a wonderful chance to shine and show the world what are you able to do. Of course, they have a very difficult group having teams like the Netherlands and and, and Sweden. But uh, I think uh, as Switzerland and Russia, they both can be one of these teams that make the Euro more exciting. And maybe they can... They can, in, in, if if the moment arrives, they can make an upset and make and make even more exciting the Euros. Yeah, I mean, we we love an upset, and even when you don't expect upsets, 
Um, you know, they, they do still happen, so who knows? But the final group that we have, Group D, is France. Um, oh, I forgot to ask, actually. Do we all agree that the two teams progress in Netherlands and Sweden? Yeah. Yes. 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 Totally. Um, yeah, so looking at Group D, um, we've got France, Italy, Belgium and Iceland. Jay, for France, do you think this is their big opportunity to end their wait for this trophy? Yeah, I think so. But I think the player politics is what's going to sadly come in between that. I mm. think I don't think France will send their best players. And because of that, they're just going to fall short. I think this France team has a lot of talent, a lot of great young talent. But you also need the seniors there as well to help you get over the hurdles. This is true. Alejandro, do you think that Marie Antoinette Cototo will get into this squad? Because obviously she was controversially left out of the World Cup one. Uh, really, I think that's a question Corindia Crest would answer, <laughs> really. That's, uh, we, we have seen that the, on the last years under Corindia Crest, the, the calls for the French national team, they have become more than a soup opera than what is expected <laughs> about a football coach, really, because the way of her managing of the team it has been at least controversial. And really, Katoto is perform uh, talking about football. Katoto is performing very well this season and leaving her out of the 23-woman squad, for me, it will, it will sound me very strange, but... Uh, as I, I repeat, this is how this is Corinthia Crest world, and we should be surprised of how she managed the team because she didn't have any 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 trouble to say to legends of the French national team, for example, uh, Amandine Henry, uh, Eugenie Le Sommer, or even Wendy Renard. She didn't have any any problem to say her, okay, I'm I'm not I, I'm not counting with you, I don't <laughs> count on you. So that is that the the last the the, the last answer it will be from the Acres side. I mean, like you say, it's her world, and we simply live in it. So who knows? Yeah, it's who knows what's going to happen. I would like to think that Cosetta will go, but who the devil knows? Now with Italy, they seem to be um, you know pretty solid, improving. Jay, do you think that? They have what it takes to maybe possibly challenge some of these more established sides. Uh, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say just yet. No, I think a few more years, yeah. So, yeah, there's just so much talent in like Spain, Germany, England, Norway. So it's like I, just, I think they're they're a good side, but it's just it's just not their time yet. Unless someone else comes through the ranks at Italy, but no, just not yet. Yeah, I I agree. Um, Alejandro, for Belgium and Iceland, can you see them causing an upset? Or once again, you know, they're just there for the experience? Mm, I, I see that they, it's very difficult for them, really. Even they have improved in the last two years. I think the gap between France and Italy and these two teams, Belgium and Iceland, has made even wider. Uh, for sure, they will be fun to watch and they will provide a good show in the Euros. But I think finally the top two of the group will be for French, for French and Italians. I would probably agree, Jay. What about you? Yeah, completely agree. Yes. Um, I wanted to ask: Do both of you have a winner in mind? I guess you've kind of answered it. Are we going with England and and Spain for you guys, or? Yeah, definitely England. Mm -hmm. 
I, I see that I just only say that this year football is not coming home. <laughs> no, don't say it. <laughs> so, so I think I think it's clear between England and Spain who who is my winner. I have in mind with this with this with this quote. <laughs> oh no, it's just brought so many memories back. Just that phrase, it's not no, coming no. home. <laughs> Um, no, really, be, being serious, I really, I think the final, if everything goes well, I think it will be England versus Spain, and it can happen anything. Uh, with my heart, I would say that Spain wins, but um, normally with with, with 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 my cold mind, I would say it's 50-50 and it will be decided in very small details. Yeah, I I would probably agree. I w- I would love to see an England Spain final. Um, I think that Spain can I see them lifting that trophy potentially just because, like I say, the amount of talent that they do have. Um, but you know what? I'm gonna try and be positive and and back England. Um, but I'm I'm probably just gonna have to go now, guys, and listen. Uh, you know, to football's coming home and cry myself to sleep <laughs> at this point. Um, so yeah, thanks thanks for joining me. Great to talk about Euro 2022, and hopefully, don't forget, listeners as well. If you are in the UK um, or if you're going to be in the UK, you can apply for tickets. There are some great stadiums that this football is being played at, and yeah, I know I'm definitely gonna try and get to some games. I know, Alejandro, we've spoken about it. I'm sure, Jay, you'll be trying to get to some games. um, And it's shaping up to be a very good tournament next summer. So that is it for today's One Football Women's Football podcast. As always, a big, big thank you to my guests, to Jay and Alejandro for joining me and to all of you for listening. If you do want to get in touch, it is podcast at onefootball.com and make sure that you head to the likes of Apple Music, Spotify, etc. to hear more from One Football. One Football.